Hello and welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast. We are doing a weekly review this week. We're going to go for it a little bit more quickly than usual because um, our engineer forgot <laughs> the camera. Woo! <laughs> so we're using an iPhone and we don't want to run out of battery. So here, welcome to uh, a... Uh, because I also forgot my phone charger. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to throw you too hard under the bus. Um. <laughs> The one guy whose whole job it is to bring the webcam and a phone charger didn't do those two things this week, but it's all good. It's all right. We're just gonna we're just gonna be more concise than usual, probably. Um. So this week we're gonna be reviewing three albums. They are gonna be All Sire's new release, Hallowed Halls, Consecrated Stone, Misery Index's new release, Complete Control, and Septic Flesh's new release, Modern Primitive. So Floyd, what did you think of All Sire? Yeah, so this is a friend of the podcast. Good friend of the podcast, yeah. So we had them on, and that was a, it was a nice conversation. It's their debut album, I believe. So, um, And what's interesting about this album, uh, for those that are unaware, is it's just guitar, as far as I'm aware, right? There's just no guitar. bass, no drums, no vocals. If there is, then my bad. Yeah, if it is, then I seriously need to get my ears fucking tested. <laughs> but uh, it was, um, I think, I... See, it's funny because I'm going to diverge a little bit. I know we talk about not going on too much, but um, yeah. I think what's cool about like, look at a band like Bellwitch, for example. I felt like when they released Mirror Reaper, I kind of like almost broke kind of like Funeral Doom slash kind of drone into the mainstream a bit and kind of made it a bit more palatable, mm. which is why I think it's cool that we're getting projects and things like this that are quite experimental. And, you know, and it's, it's because that type of music is a bit more uh, prominent in people's consciousness in the realm of heavy music. I feel like it's easier to kind of digest this, whereas before I think it would have been quite difficult for a lot of people. I myself personally have always been quite fond of things that are quite sprawling and take their time uh, to convey a certain tone or mood or, or style of music. And I think uh, I think they've done a great job. I really love what's gone on in this album. Um, like just the, just the atmosphere. I think the guitar tone and the production is really really good. Uh, I've mixed and mastered by uh, Toby Truman from Pap Audio. Okay. As listed by the Bandcamp. But yeah, just a great guitar tone. Um, and I just love like the tracks all have a fairly similar structure. Like it starts with like an acoustic passage, which is normally really really somber. And it just I love the 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 kind of a the slow build with more and more layers of distortion. Um, and it just feels like there's always like a, a climax to the track, and then the track immediately kind of like just starts breaking down. You get loads of feedback and noise, and then it goes lulls, lulls you back into that sense of uh, melancholic despair with an acoustic outro. But yeah, so it's just a great, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a really interesting record for sure. Um, if you want to know more about it, definitely go and check out the episode we did with Maxim from All Sire. Um, it's really interesting. He's got some amazing stories. Um, but yeah, the main... I, I mean, this is... It's interesting. It's experimental. There's loads of texture. And I think it's really nice to kind of listen to something that's been kind of torn apart in that way. It's been like, what's the word? Deconstructed. Yeah. Um, and you kind of, you're kind of listening to like the elemental force of guitar. Um, and all the different ways that it can be played, the way different ways it can convey texture and emotion. And I think you can really feel how how much kind of passion is being used in the recording. You can kind of feel the like meditative intensity of the music, which I think is is beautiful. And that's one of the great things about drone is that you can get to this almost sort of like not religious, but kind of um, sacred style part of the music because at times it feels almost byzantine it feels like old and 
ancient and powerful. Um, the main thing this reminded me of is one of my favorite ever soundtracks, um, which is the Neil Young soundtrack for the Dead Man film no. by Jim Jarmusch. It's a really good film. It's um, It's got Johnny Depp in it, who is stranded in America. Um, and he's like, it's set during, I think, like kind of frontier, a bit further for more past frontier. It's like a black and white acid Western where Johnny Depp is William Blake, but he has like a gun and it, it, there are cowboys. Yeah. And he kills loads of people. That sounds mad. I've never heard of that. It's before. a really good film. It's probably one of my favorite films mm. ever. As soon as William Blake was in it, but that was you sold. Yeah, I was like, William Blake, Johnny Depp, good director, the sick film. And and basically, Neil Young, he improvised the soundtrack in the single take while watching the film. So the soundtrack is beautiful, and it's got Johnny Depp reciting Blake's poetry over it as well, which is chef's kiss material. Fully recommend. Um, So when I say this reminds me at times of that soundtrack, that is a very high compliment to come from me because it's one of my favorite things. I think you touched upon something that's very interesting, you know, like the whole meditative state thing. I feel that with music of this kind of ilk in nature, you do kind of have to zone out at times to truly appreciate it, which is yeah. why it's quite hard to review and talk about a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, like, if, like for example, an album like the Thurgathon album, like I just listen to that and I kind of just chill out in the and fucking just completely just lose myself and let myself uh, transcend the peripheral. I've got what's that? What's that? Lose yourself to the music. Do, 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 never Eminem. let it go. That <laughs> when you said uh, lose yourself, that just immediately started playing <laughs> in my head. That's the Mum Spaghetti song, isn't it? Mum Spaghetti. I think yeah. it is. Oh. Yeah, definitely. But I butchered it though. I actually watched Eight Mile for the first time the other day. For the first time. I haven't yeah. seen it since I was like a kid. What is? How is that aged? I bet really badly. I think it's a little, yeah. There's a, there's a few <laughs> bits in there that just uh, were a bit like ooh. But um, yeah, it was all right. I mean, as far as I can tell, it's just like a semi-biopic, right? Yeah. Almost. Yeah, the bit where like he comes home and his like school friends with his mum and he's like, yeah, I'm your dad now. It's so horrible. Yeah, it's a bit fucked, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, can you imagine your arch nemesis at school being in a relationship with one of your parents? It'd be horrible. <laughs> I mean, I hope they'd be in a relationship with my dad because that'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. I never had any arch nemesis at school, actually. I had bullies. Does that, does that count? Arch nemesis sounds much cooler than bully. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It was. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I had a school story pop up, but I'll save it for another time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but now back to the album. Uh, there's a few tracks on here that I enjoyed more than others um, but I enjoyed the whole album but the one in particular was Lauded in Heraldic Finery what I really like title. how the, uh, the ha- that track you can see a lot of the black ha- black metal elements kind of shining through a bit and there were just some really cool kind of more pummeling doomier tones to it um, I think if I had to pick a, a standout track for me that would be the one um, but overall yeah just as an album and I, I'd like to listen to it again when I'm in the right kind of like headspace because yeah. I think the thing is and I don't know if you feel this when you're trying to review albums sometimes you feel like you're kind of rushed and trying to you, you digest the music you can't get into the, the mood that you need to be in sometimes yeah. yeah I think I feel like this is not like an easy listening album this is like I feel like this album you need to there's like specific situations like if you're doing yoga this would be an amazing album to put on yeah like a black metal yoga style thing that will get you meditative and like your breathing would be it's a really good that's a really good thing it's a good thing to do while you're doing something repetitive while you're doing something kind of meditative because that will definitely enhance the experience whereas if you're like going to the gym i would not put this on yeah 
Yeah. It's like I said before, somebody used to listen to warning at the gym. <laughs> you're doing curls because you're trying to like, hide the tears. Like, like, so why am I resting so long between sets? Like, why am I weeping between yeah. sets? <laughs> but, but it's the same, like, you know, we're about to review the Misery Index album as well. Like, I couldn't listen to that if I wasn't, like, in the mood for something fast-paced, you know. Exactly. It's, so I think therein lies the first world problems of uh, of reviewers. You've got to kind of try and force yourself to get into the right frame of mind a lot of times. And some albums deserve more than that. I mean, there's been many albums that I've had a a, a, a newfound appreciation or or a, or a grown appreciation of, like a few months after we've reviewed it, because I've spent a bit more time with it. Yeah, I know what you mean. And there's other albums, like, say, the Frontier album, where it was just like, ah, this is just way too fucking bonkers. But, I mean, I loved it immediately. I was in the right space of mind. Yeah. Like, the moment <laughs> I heard that, I was like, what is this beautiful crack? Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> so good. Yeah, that and, like, LNNN and Goo 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 Gold. Um, those were some great albums. Oh, that was great. I was not expecting. Yeah, that was such a good album. Yeah, yeah. some real good shit. Um, but, yeah, th this is, this, this is, I think it's kind of a mark of a good piece of music that you can't, it's not fully accessible. Yeah. Um, I think that shows that it's like tailored and that there's it's unique in that sense. I think the best example for me in my personal history of time um, on this earth was I never liked Pink Floyd until one day. I never really properly listened to them, but one day I was at a festival and it was three in the morning and there was like a full sky of stars. And I was with like one of my good friends and there was a huge jukebox and it was just people like chatting, milling around. And I was lying on the grass looking at the stars and then Pink Floyd came on. Yeah. Um, and I think it was Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds yeah. or... No, what? <laughs> that's Beatles, isn't it? That's Beatles. Yeah. I was like, Pink Floyd, LSD. Great gig in the sky. Great gig in the sky. Yeah. That came on. So that Shine On You Crazy Diamonds? Shine On You Crazy Diamonds. Yeah. It's the one with all with that woman that's like singing and she gets... That's great gig in the sky. Great gig in the sky. And I was like, what is this? This is incredible. And it was like, you could see colours and... It was this beautiful experience. And that, then I was like, yeah, there are settings for bands. And like Pink Floyd is definitely a festival jukebox being under the stars kind of band. Yeah. Yeah. I had a very similar experience with Pink Floyd because I felt like I had a, almost like a pressure to like them. As mm. soon as they're my namesake, and I was literally named after the band. But then, um, yeah, I think I just reached a certain age where I just like, you know, for the longest time, I just, it was all about the riffs, man. But, um, <laughs> I think, you know, Pink Floyd, that sort of band that kind of mastered, you know, the atmosphere of the tracks. And it's, you know, I still need to go back. Do you know what? It's crazy. I've still not listened to most of their discography. Like, I know most of the hits and stuff. But, like, mm -hmm. but for this, my mum and dad would always play the music in the background. So, so when I took the time it. to listen to some of it myself, I was just like, oh, shit, that's that song. That's where that's from. And, it, it, you know, and it must have, like, conjured up some core memory in me somewhere. But, like, um, I still need to sit down properly and just give the discography a full listen start to finish because uh, my mum always says the same thing like the earlier shit the more psychedelic stuff of Sid Barrett is like way out there yeah, yeah. you know they recorded they <laughs> recorded a whole album using only kitchen tools really like spoons cutlery and then like they, they didn't like it so they, they just destroyed it because oh, it was all like <laughs> it's all like analog analog recording and they were just like nah this is shit and they just binned it so it's lost to time <laughs> sounds like a good idea to be fair I can't imagine an album <laughs> just from <laughs> kitchen utensils being sounding i just sounding imagine like you know that sound in breath of the wild where you make a meal it's like do, 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 i've never played breath of the wild so uh, it might be on your it's own like there. a really unique sound of like okay th th this died <laughs> <laughs> this is the setting for this is not here for me to talk about breath of the wild the greatest game ever made um 
But let me let me move on back to the All Sight album. I think the there's been a, like a beautiful um, sort of focus on naming it, on curating it, and also like the artwork. I love the song names. Like as you say, there are songs like "Lauded in Heraldic Finery," which reminds me a bit of Mistress. Um, that's kind of like epic language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. really like that, and like um, "Tear Down the House of Royal Purple," like definitely going into like the RABM, um, leaning into that there, which I love, obviously. Um, I really liked. So I do this thing whenever I, whenever there's a word I don't know the exact meaning of, I Google it, and there's a song called "Exclamations of Eudaimonic Joy." So I Googled Eudaimonic. And apparently it's a term um, that's etymologically based in the Greek words you, which means good, which is funny because we, we say you, it's bad, and daemon, spirit. And it describes the notion that living in accordance with one's daemon, which we take to mean character and virtue, leads to a good life. And I think that's like Socratic. I think it's a Socrates mm. thing about like how to live well and stuff, living the good life. Yeah. So really it's just saying just, just doing what you like to do, essentially. You do you. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever have a small dog, please name it Pink. <laughs> That'd be really cute. Yeah. That's, I don't know, I'll get a dog one day. Just don't know which breed. Probably not a pug, though. As much as I think pugs are cute. They're so cute, but like, please do not buy dogs that are in constant pain. No. Yeah. What would you get? Oh, God. I don't know. I'm in a Pomeranian vibe at the moment. I really want a Pomeranian. So, we see those Pomeranian, that Pomeranian dog walker all the oh. time, don't we, with all the, all the different poms. Oh, that's my cute. God. I love them. And either that, or I do quite like I quite like the Shiba Inus, but they are meant to be quite bad tempered. But I think that's it's a bit of an urban myth because I think it depends on how you raise the dog. It's, they do have certain qualities, like for example, Amy's dog, Archie, which is a Lassarab, so it's just a little like fucking that territorial shit. <laughs> and it's just like it's like a Tibetan guard dog, like but like it's. So I don't know how much of that was intrinsically part of the dog's DNA or well I was looking up I was thinking of getting an Afghan greyhound for a while and they literally will like jump over garden fences and eat goats oh shit they literally hunt and kill goats and damn. they're these beautiful dogs that look like Cher but they're yeah. fucking goat killers damn it's a good name for a band goat killer goat, oh yeah it actually it is yeah it's weird how many bands with goat in the title are like Fash and Moon what is it with goats and moons oh yeah well, it's funny that Goat Moon is the most fashion of them all. Then, it really it? is, yeah. yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, so with All Sire, I think definitely check this out. There is beautiful imagery, beautiful language, and beautiful sounds going on in this album. Yep, that's a good summary. Good summary. Shall we move on Let's in our it. extra fast podcast this week? Shall we move on to Misery Index Complete Control? Right, so Misery Index, a band from uh, Baltimore, Maryland, currently signed to Century Media. Baltimore, Maryland, home of The Wire, the greatest TV show of all time. <laughs> um, and what's cool about this band is it kind of started off as kind of like a Dying Fetus offshoot. So Jason Netherton, who was the bassist vocalist of Dying Fetus around about the early 2000s, I think would have been after the Destroy the Opposition album, uh, left uh, along with uh, Sparky Voiles. Sparky is his nickname, not his real name. <laughs> and I think Kevin Talley, the former drummer of Dying Fetus, um, also went to record a couple albums with Misery Index at one point. My chronology is a bit off, though. Um, Kevin Talley also drummed in that Chimera band for an album as well. Oh, is it? It was on the, uh, the album after their break for album. Remember they had... The Impossibility of Reason, which was like... Because the earlier albums were... Well, we had this discussion once before. The, the crazy new metal albums. It's all yeah, because like the early albums were like kind of like... Well, remember the term Molecore? They used to refer yeah, to it as mole that. Molecore? Yeah, as in like a shopping mall. Oh, like I meant like an animal mall. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> molecore, yeah, like Molecore. <laughs> okay. But yeah, but I've never listened to the early Chimera albums when they oh, came really? out like... I never listened to Chimera. It's got a, a cool name though. 
But it's uh, so um so I've been following Misery Index for a while because I knew them as kind of like the band that was formed out of the ashes of some of the members of Dying Fetus. And I've always been quite a big fan of them because they've kind of taken that groove and crunch that made Dying Fetus so palatable and enjoyable, but infused a lot more of kind of like a punky grind aesthetic and core sounds to it. And they've had an interesting career in the sense that they've always put out some pretty stellar releases but they've been gradually getting more and more kind of refined as songwriters and i kind of feel like this album is continuing that trend um because it's you know there's a there's a keen sense of melody on this album there's some absolutely blazing musicianship some of the solos on this album are unreal and like some of the grooves and just it feels more like a well-oiled machine and more like an an actual just a, a standard extreme metal album as opposed to like a niche death grind album because, you know, a lot of death grind could be very, you know, homogenous and run-of-the-mill. But I feel like Misery Index have kind of, much in the same way, I would say a band like Cow Decapitation is kind of breaking free from the mold a bit and kind of carved out their own sound, which I think is um, more likely to be successful in the larger sphere of metal music. I have um, a confession to make. Go on. I thought Misery Index was an emo band up until last week. Oh, really? Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it has the word misery in it. <laughs> you might be thinking of misery signals to be fair and yeah i don't know what really is it yeah, i don't no, i don't know i don't know much about emo but maybe i i don't i don't even know like <laughs> i i was never really an emo um so i just i assume if it's something's like an emotional title but i googled them and uh, the misery index Sorry, is my naivety coming into play? Um, apparently, the misery index is an economic indicator created by the Chicago economist Arthur Melvin Oaken in the 70s. But the band actually didn't name themselves after that. They actually named themselves after the last Asuk album, which is spelled Arsuk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that last album is called Misery Index. I'm glad they didn't call themselves Arsuk and they called themselves Misery Index instead. Um, but yeah, I really like that. I like these guys. I I saw that the primary on Metal Archives, it says like the things they sing about is like social injustice and class and um, like the lyrics are really in my kind of deal, like anti-capitalist and shit yeah. like that, which I love. Yeah, that's always been like one of the prevalent themes in Grind. And that's why I always think Grind has actually been a bit misrepresented in the scene a little bit. So I feel like sometimes people think that grindcore is like either gore grind or like that really shitty like lo-fi kind of like like cyber grind or that kind of that music that was inhabiting myspace where someone just had like fucking fruity loops and was just making like just the shittest yeah yeah they're an interesting band actually because he's because i remember finding out about them because the vocalist had a YouTube channel where he was like showing how to do like growls and shit. Big Chocolate, yeah. It was like Cameron Argan, I think his name is. But um, I've never listened to this figure in the goddess, though. So, yeah. But a lot of people copied them. Yeah. But back in the days, the MySpace bands were so shit. But anyway, I feel like that's what people's perception of grindcore is, much in the same way that I'm sure a lot of people, when they think of deathcore, they're more likely to think of bands like Suicide Silence, nothing wrong with Suicide Silence, as opposed to bands like, say, The Red Chord, or even like early Black Dahlia murder, you could even argue um, it's like a form of deathcore. But um, um, I've just went on some next rant. Oh, it was a good rant. Somehow. Go for it. But yeah, 
No, um, anyway, so that's the thing. And I feel like, you know, Grindcore has a lot of heart to it. And I feel like bands like Misery Index and bands like Nasum and even Napalm Death, you know, like there's a lot of thin that they, they sing about shit that actually means something. Mm. And they're actually speaking from the heart a lot of the time. And I feel like so many people are missing out on so many so much good music because I think they've got this this skewed vision or, or idea of what Grindcore actually is. No, so. I, I totally agree. I think that's a really good point. And yeah, I think, you know, I'm I'm certainly a victim. Well, I do I do like Grindcore. I've listened to it f- since I was a kid. But, like, this... <laughs> I literally just thought this was an emo band until <laughs> I listened to this album, and it's a really good album. Um, and, yeah, I, I do... I was pleasantly surprised um, by, like, you know, how how woke... Not woke, fuck. I mean... <laughs> well, it is woke, because they're, they're socially conscious, which is, you know, it's not a bad thing. Like, I don't get why it's a fucking criticism these days, but whatever. Um, I, I like that they're, they're not like, it's a conspiracy! Like, they have a song about how it's not a conspiracy, which is such a relief, because sometimes when people are, like, anti-capitalist, they're like, yeah, it's the lizards, man, or the Jews. It's like, no, you're going the wrong way again. Um, so this is, this is really great. Um, I literally, like, the first song... The first lines are like, who are the impressors, the few, the king, the capitalist, and a handful of other overseers and superintendents? Um, who are the oppressed, the many nations of the earth, the valuable personages, the workers, slaves, and make slave and make the bread, the soft-handed and idle eat? Who are the ones that, who are the ones who plant the burning seed inside your hand or head? I thought it was hand. Hand is cooler than head. But yeah, I wrote fucking yes, mate, because that made me happy. <laughs> Fucking yes, mate. That should have been part of the actual lyrics. Yeah, fucking music. yes, mate. Fucking yes, mate. <laughs> Cockney misery index, please. <laughs> that's, that's, this, that's why I miss Gorod, man. Fucking a oh, death metal band. I remember Gorod. With a fucking Cockney vocalist. Oh, were they the ones with Angel of Meth? I yeah. believe so. Yeah, yeah, I saw them play that. They they supported. Um, it was like Bolt Thrower, Benediction, yeah. Gorod. I was at that show, and he was like, "This song's about meth." <laughs> <laughs> about meth <laughs> this was about meth he was like yeah he stood on a car and like apparently angel of meth is when like you know how the, the angel when you're going up north oh yeah the angel yeah of it's north, like yeah. when you go, you're on meth and you stand out uh, up out the sunroof of a car and you stand on the car and you're the angel <laughs> of meth and he, i think he did it and he like fell off the car or something oh, that's what it was about it's so funny and that, that album was such a good pun there's only tools and corpses <laughs> yeah i remember that yeah, yeah. Oh, that was it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Those were different times. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because they, they changed the name to The Rotted, right? And we're a bit more kind of like serious. Yeah. yeah, I like Gorotted more. Yeah. But now, yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> so good. It's just, it's like the, the one sliver of humour that I think only English people, like yeah. UK people would get. I think an American would just be like, what the fuck is that, mate? Like... Oh, they wouldn't say it like that, but you, you get me. Like, well, you get me. What? What's that shit? I don't get it. Well, there was that Aussie band that had that similar shtick. Was it King Parrot? Yeah. Oh, is it? Because they had that track. Was it shit on the liver? So, so the King sm- Parrot sounds like a UK doom band. <laughs> it does. <laughs> King Goat. King Rich Ritual King. There's so, so many King bands in the UK. It's great. King Eight One Zero, but not UK band. Yeah. <laughs> I saw them live I once. Like, you were so ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I saw them live. That was a bloodstock, but the guitarist couldn't get into the UK. What did he do? So I think they were bringing their fake guns with them. 
So, um, so I think it was just the bassist, the vocalist, and the drummer, and then the guitars were back in track. That is so funny. The stage just sounded so empty. But, they yeah. couldn't bring their fake guns to the UK. And they'll get booked again because I know Vicky loves Vicky them. Vicky loves them, yeah. yeah. I don't know why, but there's something about that name that's like sus, even though it isn't. Yeah. I just feel like, oh, what do those numbers mean? But I'm sure it's like just a phone number or some shit. Is that gang? Is a gang, gang thing? I think. Yeah. I, I, I've never heard their music. Erica, you're from that? Erica, like 90210. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I find that really funny. It's like, it's like a UK band, like, calling themselves a... <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> TW4, like, King well, TW4. Does. Does stands for NW1, they're from oh, is it? Yeah, but that's cooler. And, uh, and E17. They're from Waltham stuff. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. I remember there was there was like um, a song that came on the playlist one day for like the place that I that we work, and it was like just a guy repeating his postcode for three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he was like E one, E one, E one, and I was like, okay, like I, I know where you live, cool. Like I, I get that it's a whole thing, but it's, I find it really funny. Postcode thing's bullshit as well, though. So when you look at how the grid works, it's like it's it's so stupid. It's so random, like, like, for example, well, I mean, technically, I'm NW one, aren't I? So like, but oh, like, you're NDubs. Yeah, I'm, I'm NDubs. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's like it's not like well, it's not North London, and it's the same like Victoria's like what SW one V, even though it's not South London. And, yeah. you know, but people get so territorial over the digits. But amazing, that's amazing. I I love what people do with the strangest of things. But speaking of which, Misery Index are very good, much better than a postcode. Um, I love that um, they all have a billion million other things that they've done in the band. Um, so like, for example, Mark Kloppel, he used to be, well, he is, well, he's like not as prolific as some of the others, but he was in like Cast of Stone, Scour, he was in Criminal, Animant. A lot of these guys were in Dying Fetus, as you, I think you mentioned already. Um, and then... Jason Neverton actually wrote a book um, about death metal. It's called Notes from the Death Metal Underground. And he collects the stories and memories of like a lot of prominent musicians, which oh, I think is cool. a really cool thing oh, to do. Okay. It's like, like preserving like the history and culture of, of like something that I think only someone who's in it could really do very well. So I, I really like that he's done that because a lot of the time you usually get it about like black metal or it's like a compilation of indeed a compilation of, um, of like bands, for example, like someone told us, someone came to one of our shows and was like, oh, you were in a book. And it's like a doom metal book. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. And I went and bought the book. It was like 50 euros. Mm. And it, it had like thousands of doom bands in it. And we weren't in it. Yeah. And it was just an index of bands. And like the f some of them had like a paragraph, but it was, and it looks nice, but I, th I liked what he's doing more. He's like actually collecting, like it's almost like folk stories. It I'm will be one bigger. day. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's what annoyed me. We're bigger than half of, not half You know what? It was probably compiled before we got bigger. Formed. Like, yeah. It was probably just older than we are. So it's fine. <laughs> it's not a big deal. It's just a book. And I don't think anyone really... I just, it, it, someone thought we were in it. So obviously... I mean, someone asked how it was to play Desert Fest the other week. Someone thought we played Desert Fest. That's so funny. <laughs> they were like, yeah, I saw you on the lineup. And I was like, I hope not. I picked up one of those books once from a charity shop. It was that like one of those Is index it? of like metal bands? Oh. Like, was that what Lords of Chaos was originally? No, no, no. Oh, maybe, kind of. Maybe. Yeah, because that had like a, a glossary of bands. So I remember, I think I remember watching Nardwuar interview Slayer, oh. and he said that in the book <laughs> Slayer described as a lesser venom. Oh. <laughs> and you can see like you can see uh, Tom Araya. That's a, not the Dale Patterson one, is it? 
Maybe. No, actually. Because he's done a few. Would have been before. I don't know, actually. It was, which one was it? It was quite a cool one, though, because it had like a proper glossary of all the bands. And then oh, cool. I was so cheap. I didn't buy it, even though it was £2. I just it was in there <laughs> for like two months. It. So <laughs> walking back from squad, just go in and just read it from back to cover. <laughs> while my mum was browsing the charity shops. I love that. I could have just bought it, you know, but it's like... Ah. No. It's gone to another home. But back to Misery Index. So, yep. So, yeah, the band members are quite prolific. Criminal Elements quite an interesting band. I think a few of the members in here have been in that band. That's also kind of like... Not necessarily a dying fetus offshoot, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that the guy that replaced Jason Netherton, can't remember his name, went on to form Criminal Element. He was the current vocalist of that band. Oh. So he's the guy that's now doing what Sean Beasley is doing, who is the current bassist vocalist for dying fetus. So there's a lot of connections in that kind of Baltimore, kind of New York scene. Cool. Um yeah, I think so. I think maybe, I think John Gallagher might be New York originally, but it's, but I think, yeah, the, definitely the list has been from Baltimore. I didn't Maryland. know that Adam Jarvis does drums in Pig Destroyer. Did he drum it in Pig Destroyer? I thought it was... Um... It says it on Metal Archive, so... Oh, shit. And Asthma Castle, which is a cool name for a band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a bouncy castle that will give you horrible asthma. Asthma Castle. I thought the drummer is, was... Um... Struggling to remember any names. Was Scott Hull, um, uh, what's his name? J.R. Hayes, vocalist. Maybe he did it live or something. Maybe they do have a different drummer because the drummer shares the name with um, another famous metal musician. I can't remember who it is. This guy be. might just drum now. He might not be the Yeah, no. Yeah, because he doesn't say it's X. But either way, there's a fantastic fucking performance on this album. Like the drums, there's everything is just on fire. And I really like the way the album sounds as well. It's mixed by Will Putney from Fit for an Autopsy. Nice. Um, who I think has been making a bit of a name for himself in the uh, producing game. Um, and mastered by uh, Jens Bogren, who's also um, a very, very prolific like sort of production guy. He's actually he actually uh, mixed the um, Septic Blush album. No way! As well, yeah, that's funny. So, but yeah, there's some really cool shit going on this album. Like, I love um, even the first track, "Administer the Dagger." I love like the kind of like the hardcore esque yelled vocals. Hell in the yeah, I love it's that. It's like oh, it's super cool. I love that old school vocal style. Um, and like you know, there's at times where you know the, the guitar work is quite melodic. It's almost like kind of dips into mellow death. Reminds me of "At the Gates" a lot of the time as well. Like you know, it's a well-oiled machine and beast. And there's a lot of cool shit going on. And like, if you like anything remotely death metal or grindcore related, then I highly recommend this album. Yeah, it's it's a really good album. It's you know this is a good gym album, I think. Oh yeah, this would be a fantastic this gym is album. A good album to especially like, for like cardio and stuff. Hell yeah, yeah. I, I think I literally put this on while walking to the gym, um, and it really hyped me up. So and there's a really sick beat uh, breakdown on the track "Rights of Cruelty," three minutes sixteen. It's one of the best breakdowns I've heard in a long time. I'm gonna bookmark worth that. mentioning. Easy to remember because it's 316, so Austin 316. <laughs> All right. Um, shall we move on to Septic Flesh? Let's do it. Which this one is called, this one, like the, the title, Modern Primitive, makes me think of like caveman riffs. Yeah. I'm like expecting them to be ooga booging, like <laughs> in this one. Um, it's almost like a Conan album. Yeah. Said, yeah. Modern, you know what this reminds me of? Like an Inter Armour album name. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like that intersection of like grim and misery and caveman. But it, this is just like really, it's exactly what you would expect from a Septic Flesh record. It is, especially like um, kind of like latter era Septic Flesh. Mm. Um, I think Phil's Breakfast Metal done a good special on some of the earlier Septic Flesh albums recently because you listen to that earlier shit, like a sort of like Eceptron and. Um, 
Fallen Temple and the, the early demos and stuff, then it's almost like it's, it's like a completely different band. And what's cool about this band as well is like the three it's still got pretty much the three core members from their formation. Yeah. They've been going for over thirty years now. So I think it was thirty one years. <laughs> they were formed well, their first demo came out the year I was born. Really? Yeah, ninety one. <laughs> Just goes to show. So you've got Spiros Antonio bass vocals, uh, Kriatos Antonio guitars and orchestration. See, I thought he was a new member because that's the guy with the dreads that I used to see yeah, on stage. He's been there forever. Yeah, see, I don't ever because I felt like I saw them live years and years ago and he wasn't there, but maybe he was wearing a hat or I some think shit. He probably just didn't like the dreads. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I just thought he looked so much younger. I know he is the younger brother of the vocalist but, um, and the bassist. And then Sotiris Vianis guitars, vocals, Krim uh, on drums, and the newest edition, which is. Uh, this is his first album with the band Psycon, which I'm guessing is a pseudonym, not his actual name. I've got Dinos Psycon Prasas. There you go. That's on YouTube, the description of a channel. But no, you're absolutely right. I think this is anybody, this is not going to take anyone by surprise, but I would say we were discussing this a little bit before we started filming. And I would say this is definitely a marked progression for me from the Codex Omega album. I felt like there's a, a lot more kind of interesting things going on. And I felt like the songwriting is a bit crisper and a bit more fluid um, because I've enjoyed, I really enjoy latter era septic flesh. Like when they dropped communion, I remember it turned loads of heads at the time. Cause it was just like, Oh shit, here's a band that's kind of like taking the symphonic element and mixing it with kind of like death metal and even slightly more doomier passages, which was uh, would have been about the same time Flash God Apocalypse started doing the same thing. So it was kind of like a mini movement of sorts. And I think Booker's knew that because, I swear to God, the amount of times I would see Flash God and Septic Flash on the same bill would just be crazy. But it's um, but I think progressively they've been finding ways to kind of like meld that the, the huge or orchestral element of the music into the into like the guitars and the vocals because communion as much as it was a good album was a little bit disjointed at times because it was like quite quite a bit of experimentation going on with because they, they always had that symphonic element to the music yeah but um not in the sense of how kind of bombastic the orchestration was on the communion album and i feel like now they've reached a point and they kind of reached this with with Titan as well and the Great Mass, where I felt like they've done a great job now of combining those two elements into like a, a really fluid beast. Um, and yeah, this is a great addition to their discography. I really like the track um, "A Desert Throne," which I think is one of the sing singles from the album. And the vocals actually, the clean vocals actually remind me a bit of David Bowie at times. Which is a bit <laughs> of a weird comparison, but it's got a really catchy chorus. Yeah, I know what you but, mean, yeah. But some of the vocal melodies on this are really good. Yeah, I feel like it's got some really harmonies. catchy moments and it's got some really sick rhythm sections and some proper, like, just some moshable riffs going on here, especially on this track of Desert Throne. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker to a good triplet and a good fucking syncopated rhythm. Yeah, I think, like, they, they, they've got a good thing going, so why should they necessarily change it? Like, yeah. they're just improving it um, and refining it, and it's it's great. It's, like, beautiful to listen to. I've always liked that about them. They have, like, that, that little Eastern twist, um, like, little zhuzh of Easternness that I enjoy. Um, there, there are some, um, I will say as well, I was very impressed to find out that Christos Antonio, the lead guitarist, um, he does all the orchestral writing, for the band and he studied composition um in london actually yeah like, i read that actually yeah, I thought it was yeah. really interesting 
So is, and he he it sounds like he does a lot of stuff like specifically related to composition and orchestra. Um, so he's like a pro. He's like a proper pro, and you can hear it, and that's really cool because a lot of the time you just have this shitty fucking synth, <laughs> which I really hate. Um, but like, yeah, the septic flesh stuff is it's like actually what it should sound like, and yeah. it sounds really good. I think that's the thing. I think it took Flesh God Apocalypse a while to get there as well. Demi Borgia. Yeah. They never got there. <laughs> what well, the craziest thing is, I never really listened to much Demi Borgia. Well, I'm, I'm not gonna anymore. But like, <laughs> <laughs> they're they're a bit cringe, to be honest. Like, I, I think at first glance. I remember I downloaded their cover of Metal Heart by Accept on uh, on Bear Share once. I'm sorry, but that sounds like Grinder from 2006. Because you you are like you know you know that meme of the king of like the really big guy with the laptop. Yeah, yeah. Imagine you like hunting over a laptop. It's such a sus sounding website. (laughs) You're hunting for accept covers on Bearshare. I bet Grinder were pissed that that name was already taken. <laughs> that would have been the much better name no, for Grinder, no, Bearshare. So I'd that, fucking sign up for that. Like, so that Grinder kind of works, though, in it. It's kind of. Oh uh, yeah, d- definitely. Like, it's, the, the wordplay is like it's there. Grinder. Yeah. <laughs> well, so it's like you know you're grinding. You're like meeting up and you're grinding. You're you're rubbing your bodies against each other because that's how. Even I do think of stuff. grinding weed though when I hear Grinder. I think yeah. I'm just bemused and confused. That's cool. Oh, uh, we were talking a little bit about the lyrics to Neuromancer. Oh my God. Let me read you some of the lyrics to Neuromancer. I was like, wow, this album's beautiful and amazing. And I always read the lyrics while I'm listening to the album. And I'm like reading, I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. Hierophant's my favorite track. And then I get to Neuromancer. And this is this is the, um, the, the takeaway I got. Neuromancer. Your body lies in place, Neuromancer. Ascent to cyberspace. <laughs> Ascent to cyberspace. Like, what? But that's because it's based on the William Gibson book, isn't it? Neuromancer. Is it? Yeah, so that's what a Neuromancer, that's where the term comes from. And that book is basically seen as heavily inspiring The Matrix. Is it? Yeah. It sounds like an insult to someone you, you like on a YouTube comment thread. It's like, you fucking Neuromancer. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like someone's misspelt Necromancer or something. <laughs> But it's meant to be a really good book, and like okay. it's, and I think they even coined the term. Well, not coined the term, the Matrix, but in the same kind of context as what the Matrix film ended up doing. Right. So, like, it's. I think, yeah, it's like a lot of like science fiction fans uh, really lords the book Neuromancer, and I'm, I'm presuming someone else in the band is also a big fan of Gibson. I can, I can certainly see it. Um, yeah, I just thought that lyric was. Beautiful. It's cool. It's funny. It reminds me of like logging into a, a website, and you're like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, when you knock into Shabasha, ascend to cyberspace. <laughs> uh, speaking of it, the um, that Capitate album dropped as well, didn't it? Have to cancer listen. culture. Yeah. Cancer Have to listen culture. to that all the way through. That's got a lot of online references on it as well, doesn't it? Mm. Oh, Blow loves it. Is, is he listening to it? He's well into it. Yeah. Good on him. It, it's a good album, but I just cannot willingly listen to something called cancer culture. It's just too like I, I'm too um, susceptible to cringe. Like I can't, I can't deal with it. Well, they've got a track called "Just a Cigarette" as well. Do you see that one? <laughs> Just a cigarette. <laughs> do, 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 do. Just a cigarette. That's... I'll listen to it at some point because I, I am a big decapitated fan, and uh, some of those earlier albums okay. were amazing. Isn't that a, f- a Freud reference? Freud. It's <laughs> like, am I saying Freud's name wrong? <laughs> Freud. When he's like, a cigar is never just a cigar. 
And they're like, it's just a cigarette. Possibly. Not delved into it. No. I'll look into it in my own time. Sounds like decapitated have. Um, but yeah, that's so that's the thing. Um, so this is following Infernus Sinfonica from 2020. So they've been pretty good at like outputting stuff throughout the pandemic, which is I'm jealous of, frankly. Who's this? Septic Flash? Septic Flash. Is that a live album? I think they did in 2020. Maybe. This is their first full length since 2017. Oh, maybe it was an EP. Yeah, so it could have been. It's just, I, I didn't listen to whatever the release that was, but like, in, from what I was aware, Codex Omega was their last full length, which is crazy because that doesn't feel that long ago. And I remember listening to that album thinking, oh yeah, that album came out like two years ago. Oh but God. no, so it's actually been a fair bit of time between their last full length. But um, I'm glad they're taking some time because I feel like what they presented on here, I much prefer to the Codex Omega album. I kind of felt like they were just kind of um, uh, running through the motions mm. on that album. Not to say it was a bad album, but I feel like because we have so many albums in that kind of refined style that they've got now, it was really interesting to see where they were going to go with this album and just realize that they were doubling down on the sound, but just making sure that the songwriting is top notch. And like, um, yeah, it'd be cool to see if they tour again because I'll probably catch them live. The only thing I, I, I really wish I saw this gig. They did a gig once where they actually hired like a Philharmonic style orchestra to um, to do all the orchestral parts. That is sick. And that looks so. Because it's the Czechoslovakia Philharmonic Orchestra on the album. I think it was the same. Was that what it was? Yeah. That was so cool. And I was thinking that looks like such a cool set. And not to say it isn't cool when you watch them live, but when all that stuff's done on back and track, it's, it doesn't sound the same. Yeah, yeah. but you're like, oh, it'd be so cool to see that done. And it's the same with Flash God Apocalypse. I mean, they've got the pianist that plays live. And the um, and the opera singer, but it's uh, no. I keep talking about Flesh Girl Apocalypse. I've honestly <laughs> not, not even thought about that band for like the last five years. But oh, is it? I think it's probably just talking about Septic Flesh. It's just too many flashes. So it's much like, flesh. Yeah. Speaking of flesh, um, Spiros Antonio. Um, he is a prolific artist, and he has done much artwork and, and photographs for many bands, including Decapitated, Belfagor, Machine Head, Nile, Free Paradise Lost albums, Rotten Christ. Um, and a band called Blood Erection yeah. and Spanking Hour, <laughs> as well as Vader. Spanking Hour, is that the album by the band Bearshare? <laughs> <laughs> Bearshare's debut album. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Just prolific guys. Very Just... prolific people. Much proliferation here. Um, yeah, it's, it's a big, solid album. Um, large solid fleshy album <laughs> i don't know why i said that well just the flesh then just quickly quick point yeah remember once <laughs> on the topic of flesh um i remember once at bloodstock it was they had like the headliner on one night was flesh god apocalypse and the headliner on the on the last night was god flesh <laughs> nice. it was just, just fucked with my head just looking at on the lineup because it was just yeah. it's like us before this podcast i mean i do this all the time but i always say rotting christ and septic flesh interchangeably i can't my brain does this thing where instead of septic flesh it will just do rotting christ oh, maybe i'm racist <laughs> maybe can we, can we get can we get a clip of that one, uh, am, that I, one part? am i racist <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what hulk hogan was saying on his uh on his sex tape <laughs> <laughs> he was just he like he just started saying loads of racist shit because no! he, did, he didn't want his daughter to date like a black guy. And he was just like, you know, am I racist? You know, maybe I am racist. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like Hulk Hogan <laughs> during his sex tape. Yeah. That's me right now. Am I racist? <laughs> I, I don't. I Well, hmm, yeah. I mean, there is. 
there's there's one little thing that I'm gonna say um, about Septic Flesh. I was I was looking up. I was I look up all the members and what they do. And one of the members, Soteris, who does all the lyrics and vocals and rhythm guitar, keyboards, etc. He um, has done liner notes for Graveland. And he did that in 2017, so it wasn't a long time ago. And I was a bit disappointed, because for those who don't know, Graveland are like one of the biggest NSBM bands. They're big old fucking Nazis. They are like known for being extremely fucking racist um, in their music and as people. So I was a bit sad about that. Um, I don't know how to, what to do with that information yet. I literally found out like the other day, so. I don't know if septic flesh are sus as a result. Am I racist? Um, but yeah, like this is this is information and I'm giving it to you, dear listener, so that you also know the thing that I know. Yeah. I think it just goes to that point we were kind of saying before um, where like there's just, when you've got a scene like the motor scene that's so sprawling, like there's so much hidden shit that people don't know about. So yeah. many bands and it's like, you know, I think it's about kind of just like taking accountability. I mean, bands just being honest and forward about things that they've done in the past, the things that they might have, whether or not they still agree with those things or whether they disagree with it, whether they've disowned it or not. You know, but it's like, problem is, it's just every landscape's going to be political. That's the thing. Like, if you, if you say you're not political, but then you go and do liner notes for an, for a band that's literally Nazis, you're doing something political. Yeah. Um, and like, even if you say I'm not, you still you're doing the thing that's political and there's politics involved especially if it is far-right politics because those politics actively put people who are not white at risk yeah um and you know it's proven now like very much proven that the nsbm scene in europe specifically funds nazi far-right organizations that specifically hurt people yeah um so it's not it's not innocent like even though it feels that way from the position you may be in as a listener or a consumer, you're still kind of being a part of that, depending on how you decide to react to certain things of information. I'm not going to sit here and tell anyone what to do, um, but I am going to say what I know. Yeah. And that's what I know. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. Yeah. I think, yeah. It's, yeah, because my big thing is, it's like, you know, I feel like when I say political, I mean in like the kind of like a workplace environment stuff then as well, right? Yeah, There's so many people yeah. that, that look at the thing politically and would rather just, you know, throw, throw a rug over everything and just make out like shit's not happening. Because some people have got, you know, because there's some important people that might have ties to these things. And they often That's, do. Yeah. That's the thing. Like if you, if you do dare to call out certain things, you're not going to cancel the thing like you the bands that have been supposedly cancelled for many years now are literally playing main stages of festivals and their careers are totally fine yeah like they've not really been affected like ailstorm are playing a main stage at, at download this year and they the dude literally used the n-word like i mean come on like that that's not really cancel culture all those like, conversations like confirmed as well like no one that yeah. no one ever yeah, in yeah. that band came out and was just like oh yeah that's not us that's photoshop yeah or anything like that. The, and like there was no like grand apology that i'm aware of i think if it, i think there was one but it oh, was like yeah. passive aggressive as hell it wasn't like a real i remember reading it and it was like a non-apology style apology i don't know but either way like I'm, I'm i don't think it's good enough like i don't think they i don't like it. i don't think you should still be in that band personally 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't know if there was an apology because, frankly, I'm just like, I never liked the band anyway, so yeah, I'm never going to listen to them. I don't really... But the thing is, the fact that a fucking joke pirate band is fucking headlining... I mean, there's other bands like that too. You know, there's there's not just bands, it's people as well. Like, there's... there's It's documented that, like, comedians, fucking actors and shit... And I'm not talking about Johnny Depp here. That's, like, a different... A whole different kettle of fish. But their, their careers are fine. Yeah. Their careers are fine. Often it's the people who call that shit out. They're the ones that get cancelled. They're the ones you never hear about again. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying this is hopefully we won't get cancelled for this, but we're not actually actively cancelling anyone. We are just saying words. Oh, it's true. What you say. You're just saying what you know. Yeah, that's all. that's all. I'm not calling for action. I'm just saying here's some information. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Um, but yeah, the album is it's a classic septic flesh, not rotting Christ album um, with some funny lyrics some interesting orchestration and some uh, good riffs. Yeah, no, I, I heavily enjoyed it. I heavily enjoyed all the albums this week. And it's, uh, we're actually getting ready for uh, Hellfest. We are. Yeah, we're so. expecting a lot of interviews. Yeah. Um, hopefully we're going to interview some sick bands. Let us know who you want us to interview. Look at that beautiful Hellfest lineup. Um, maybe we'll do some like special pre-Hellfest during Hellfest and post-Hellfest coverage. So look out, we're coming for you, Hellfest. And if you go to Hellfest, I'll see you in the corn pit. <laughs> in the corn on the cob pit. Yeah, <laughs> with my corn on the cob dildo. <laughs> Only two people will understand what you're talking about. They're in this room. <laughs> Do not Google corn on the cob dildos. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening to the Serpent Temple podcast this week. Feel free to like and subscribe. Feel free to leave a nice, lovely comment for us to look at with our eyeballs. And um, yeah, thank you for your time and listening. Au revoir. Until next time. Nice fun, didn't that?